This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. Our show is brought to you by MaxList and by our book, Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. To learn more about the book and the updated edition that we're publishing in February, on February 1st actually, visit maxlist.org slash ebook. A new year means a new start. And as 2016 begins, you're probably making resolutions to do something different in your career. The list of changes you want to see in the next 12 months may include a raise, a promotion, and a new job. Or maybe you want to improve your professional skills by stepping up your networking, increasing your industry knowledge, or adopting new work habits. Whatever your goal, you're not alone. More than 40% of Americans make New Year's resolutions, according to some estimates. In spite of those good intentions, however, most of us don't have much success in keeping our promises to ourselves. Researchers at the University of Scranton found that only 8% of Americans achieve their goals. This week on Find Your Dream Job, we're talking about resolutions, why most of them fail, and why those that stick work. We're recording this in January, but the issues that we're talking about and the information we'll share with you today, you can use in any month. Our guest expert this week is Victoria Crispo, who will tell us what people who are successful keeping their resolutions do differently. Cecilia Bianco, our community manager, has advice about what to do if you're thinking about this is the year that you move to a new town. And Ben Forstag, our managing director, has two blog posts you can use to make difficult career decisions. Cecilia, Ben, let's talk about your New Year's resolutions before we move on to our guest expert and and our resources this week. What's on your list? Well, for me, I try to make my resolutions based on something I learned in the previous year. And last year, I learned that if I don't keep up with having all my work organized, then I kind of start to fall apart. So in the coming year, I want to make a huge effort to stay organized throughout the entire year. And for me, I want to be better about getting out there networking on a regular basis, uh, going to industry events and just social mixers here in town, uh, just so I can meet other professionals in Portland and in other areas. Uh, in the past, I've always done that sporadically, and uh, my goal now is to set a regular schedule, a modest schedule, maybe uh, once or twice a month, but have a schedule and go do that consistently. Good. And for me, I've found in the past that it, I have the most success when I focus on just one or two things. So one of my resolutions last year was to publish the Max List book, and we brought that out as a PDF uh, this year. The three of us have talked about the the new e-course that we hope to introduce in the second half of the year, and that's on my to-do list. I'm curious, uh, before we, we move on, are there tips that you have for our listeners about once you make those resolutions, the things you do that you find make it more likely that they'll happen? I find that if I set aside time on my calendar to actually meet that goal, then I'll end up doing it. So setting a weekly reminder on Fridays or something like that, it's time to get organized, will keep me on track. Yeah, I'm also impressed, Cecilia. We share our calendars as a team when I see that you blocked out time on your calendar to do certain tasks, and that prevents the rest of us from interrupting you by scheduling meetings or or appointments. Yeah, it helps. Yeah, I think for me, it's about setting realizable goals for yourself. Um, there's always this inclination uh, when you set 
a resolution to say like, I'm going to go from not running ever to running a marathon this year. And that's a nice audacious goal, but sometimes it's just too much and it's really hard to reach that goal. And the moment you find that you're not on the right step in the progress, you just give up. And so I would say uh, for me, you know, my goal is not to go to a networking event each week. It's once a month, right? It's a modest goal. I can do it. It's uh, achievable. And if I can do that for the next six months, um, then maybe I can adjust my plan and say it will be twice a month now or three times a month or once every week. Um, But just setting realistic goals that you know you can hit, but that are going to create a real effective change in your life. Keep it realistic, put it on your calendar, and those are ways you can make it happen. Well, speaking of of resources, let's turn to Ben, who is out there all the time looking for tools you can use. Uh, What have you found for us this week, Ben? So this week we're talking about career resolutions. And resolutions, as you know, always or often involve some kind of change, Uh, taking a new job position, going back to school, confronting new professional challenges and things like that. And change can be scary, right? Especially if we're talking about taking a step into the unknown, uh, something that you are unfamiliar with, taking that new job where it's a big question mark of what it's really going to be like. So this week, I'm sharing two blog posts that I found that can help you manage your fears and make the right career decisions, the right career decisions for yourself, that is, right? So uh, the first post is from the Lifehack blog, and it's titled 10 Questions You Should Ask When Facing a Tough Career Decision. The author provides some good high-level questions you should think about whenever your career is at a fork in the road. Uh, I'm going to kind of cover this broadly here. Uh, it's a post I suggest you go through and read because the author does go into each of these questions in detail. But uh, in general, his questions are, are you willing to learn new things? Will you learn about yourself? Does this new opportunity scare you? Does a new opportunity change the way you think about success? For example, um, have you been thinking about success solely in terms of money and then this new opportunity reframes success as fulfillment or social good or something like that? Five, does it excite you to talk about it? Six, does it affect people in your life and how does it affect them? Seven, is it fiscally responsible? Eight, Does it elevate your skills? In other words, how does this position position you for future career choices you have to make? Is it an advancement in skills and opportunities or is it stepping back? Nine, is it in line with your brand? And 10, does it provide value? Or in other words, does it solve major problems or improve the quality of life? So simply, these aren't clear yes-no questions. This is not the cheat sheet for making decisions in your life. Um, These are really more open prompts to get you thinking about the full impact, costs, and benefits of a prospective change. And I love how each question frames the decision-making process around your own needs as a professional. Um, So I'd really suggest you check that out. Again, it's 10 questions you should ask when facing a tough career decision, and it's in the Lifehack blog. And I'll have the, the URL to that in the show notes. Well, that's a great list. I One thought that occurred to me as you were talking, Ben, is uh, a question I saw posed uh, on a different blog, which is when you think about how you want to be known uh, professionally, uh, whether it's as a manager or a speaker or a writer, ask yourself, how are you spending your time doing those things? And does your calendar reflect that? And if it doesn't, then something's out of whack. Yeah, and I think these questions are kind of the micro way of getting at that general big question there. Cause I think sometimes that's a little bit too big of a thing to figure out or to put into your mind. And this really gets at that. You know, I particularly like the question about, 
does it fit with your brand? And, and that's just a fancy way of saying, does this fit with who you see yourself as and who you want to be as a professional? And sometimes uh, people make decisions that don't fit with their brand. And I think in the long run, that's typically a bad decision. So it's something you want to think about when you're making that big career change, whatever kind of change that is. The other blog post I want to share is from The Muse, and it's called The Scientifically Proven Way to Overcome Your Career Fears. I'll admit this title is a little bit clickbaity, um, but I think the content in here is really good, so we can excuse that title. You know, we all know that sometimes fear immobilizes us and makes it almost impossible to make a good career decision. I know this has been true for myself in the past. Uh, I was once in a job that I was miserable at. Every day was painful to go to work. I didn't like it there at all, and I didn't leave because I had this voice in my head that says, what happens if you leave? You'll never get another job. You'll be destitute on the street. And that's all just crazy talk in your head. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think we've all had that, <laughs> yeah. that vision. So we're all a little crazy, right? <laughs> mine, mine involves sleeping in a cardboard box. You know, okay. Well, yeah. maybe we can be neighbors. When right. We... <laughs> so um, I like this blog because it shares some tips on how you can overcome that knee-jerk fear reaction that you have, which is often not based in anything real. The author borrows from some controlled exposure strategies that psychologists use to treat other fears, like the fear of flying or arachnophobia. And basically, it's a three-step process of, one, analyzing the fear, figuring out where that fear comes from, what it's costing you, how it manifests, and so forth. Two, creating a plan to slowly expose yourself to that fearful situation um, so that you can give yourself a little leeway and, and test the waters without jumping right into something that you find scary. And then three, executing on that plan in a meaningful way way. I also like the examples the author uses here about fears in a workplace situation. It's not just about switching jobs, which is a great unknown out there, but also about issues like how to confront a boss that you have issues with, which can be a very a scary situation, or the fear of meeting uh, personal and professional expectations, which is one I frankly struggle with. So again, that blog is uh, the scientifically proven way to overcome your career fears, and it's on the Muse blog. And again, the link will be in the show notes. Thank you, Ben. If you've got a suggestion for Ben, please let us hear from you. You can write him via his email address. It's ben at maxlist.org. Now let's turn to our inbox, uh, the the high-tech mailbag, and hear from you, our listeners. Cecilia uh, joins us to answer one of your questions. Cecilia, what are you hearing from listeners this week? Yeah, so this week our question is, should people who want to relocate move before they have a new job lined up? That's a great question, and I don't necessarily think there's a general yes or no to this question, but it really just depends on your circumstances and how much of a risk it's going to be for you to relocate without first having a source of income. That being said, I do think it's easier to get a job once you're in the city that you want to work in. So if you're able to relocate without taking a huge financial or personal risk, I would probably suggest it. Ben and Mac, you've both relocated more than once. Did you move before you had a job? Well, I've done both. Back in the early aughts, I was living in Spain, and my visa in Spain ran out, and I had to move back to the States and didn't have time to find a job beforehand. Uh, So without a job, I moved to Washington, D.C., somehow convinced an apartment building to let me move in without uh, any provable income. Uh, And it took me a while to find a job there. And it was scary, but in that situation, I didn't really have many other choices. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did that. When I moved to Portland, uh, I actually got a job lined up before I moved out here. 
Uh, I think that was a unique situation, though, because uh, first, it's pretty rare. But second, uh, I had a very strong case to make that I was moving to Portland, whether I had a job or not. And I think that reassured the employer that uh, this wasn't just some flighty application. Uh, in the case of moving to Portland, I said, you know, my wife and I already have plans to move to Oregon. Here's the move date. We've already lined up housing and all, everything else. So the employer knew that this is I was a real candidate. I mm-hmm. wasn't just someone from Washington, D.C. applying for a job. I've been lucky enough to have a job to each city I've moved to for the first time, Washington, D.C., Boston, and, and Portland. I will say when I went to D.C., I was just coming off, uh, I just graduated from college and was coming off a political campaign, and I had a promise of a job for four weeks, and it turned out once I got there, I stayed at that position for two years. But I didn't think twice about getting on the Greyhound bus from the Midwest, and, and I think it was just youthful optimism. That's something I'd recommend to everybody. Yeah, it sounds like a good experience. Um, So I do want to mention that while it is probably easier to find something once you've moved, we've actually heard plenty of success stories from people who have moved before having a job. We actually just published a post featuring a woman who found a job within a week of moving because of the preparation she did beforehand. So if you don't have a job but you want to move anyway, there are things you can do like she did to make it a smoother transition. So doing research on local organizations that you want to work for and getting connected to people who currently work there, that's a great way to start. And you can also use social media as a tool to get a pulse on the local job market. On Twitter, it's always worth checking for a hashtag that covers what jobs are available. And then Facebook and LinkedIn, there are tons of job groups in each city that you can join. You can also follow local companies, which often post if they're hiring on those two sites. So one more note, I think if I was planning to relocate, I would probably reach out to recruiting agencies in the town I wanted to live in because they're always looking for talent and they can really help you make the connections you need to before you move. Any other thoughts or suggestions? Well, I have a question for you. In the past, when I've applied for a job when I was out of state, uh, I thought, well, if only I had like a P.O. box that said Portland on it when I applied to this Portland-based job. Um, Do you think there's any value in that, or is that just disingenuous? I don't think it's a good idea to make that up. I think that there's little things you can do, like changing your location online. On LinkedIn, if you change your city, that's a great thing to do. So if employers are looking, they'll see that you're... Not that you're in that city necessarily, but if they're looking to hire in that city, if you're there, they can find you. And you've publicly committed to moving to that city. Right, right. Well, I like your suggestion, Cecilia, about connecting with a temporary agency because not only can you make good connections that could lead to a permanent position, but if you do come to a town and you don't have a job there, that's a way of getting work right away and beginning Mm -hmm. to meet people and and make those connections that you can't do uh, from afar. Yeah, I think that's really important. The quickest way to find a job is through people you know. So doing what you can to make those personal connections in advance is the best thing. I I just throw out there as well that from what I know about employers and how they work, if they think you're the right person and you're going to solve their problems, they will wait for a couple weeks or a month until you are able to relocate to the town for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the location differences create a barrier, but it's not an insurmountable barrier. And so it puts just a little bit more onus on the job seeker to prove that they are the absolute unique right match for that position. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for that great information, Cecilia. If you have a question for Cecilia, please email her. Her address is cecilia at maxlist.org. 
These segments by Ben and Cecilia are sponsored by the 2016 edition of Land Your Dream Job in Portland and beyond. We're making the complete Max List guide even better. We're adding new content and publishing the book on different e-reader platforms. Now, on February 1st of this year, 2016, you'll be able to access for the first time Land Your Dream Job in Portland on your Kindle, Nook, iPad, and other digital devices. You'll also be able to get for the first time a paperback edition. Whatever the format, our goal is the same, to give you the tools and tips you need to get meaningful work. For more information, visit maxlist.org ebook and sign up for our ebook newsletter. Once you do, we'll send you publication updates and share exclusive book content as well as provide you with special pre-sale prices. So we're recording this in mid-January. Uh, we encourage you to get out there soon because there are great deals coming. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Victoria Crispo. Victoria Crispo is manager of career content at Idealist Careers and author of the Ask Victoria advice column, where she answers questions for social change job seekers and career changers. Before joining Idealist.org, Victoria helped nonprofit job seekers as a resume writer, career coach, and in higher education. Victoria, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Mac. Great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. So we're recording in January, and a topic that is on uh, many people's minds are resolutions for the new year. And But it's also a subject that I think has re- relevance um, throughout the year. Let's talk about New Year's resolutions, Victoria, and let's go straight to the dark side. Why don't most <laughs> New Year's resolutions work uh, and uh, for job seekers and, and career managers and, and just people in general? Sure. I think that there are a couple of important points to keep in mind, actually, even before you even start to make the resolution, which will then cause it to be a lot easier to keep. So one of those aspects that I think can really help is making sure that the the goal that you craft, the the resolution that you're you're trying to achieve is something that is very specific and also measurable. And the the measurable piece is important because you want to be able to have a way to know that you're progressing and that you are actually making change and and seeing improvement. So that's definitely one area that is really important as you think about not just keeping your resolution, but but the first part is how to create a resolution that you will be able to to keep and um, the other things that are involved in that. So again... pack that for our listeners because I imagine... Many people are thinking, okay, this is the year I want to get a new job. And they write that down. Uh, how do they make that measurable and specific, Victoria? Actually do just almost just what you said, unpack it a little bit. So what are the other details that are going to be involved in getting that job? So that might require doing a little bit of research and reflection. So first, figuring out what type of job do you want? And then beyond that, what are the the things that you need in order to get that job? It might involve taking a look at job descriptions that relate to that type of work. 
what are the responsibilities that are, that are involved? Have you done that type of work before? Um, what are the skills that are necessary? And do you have those skills or do you have other ones that might be able to serve as a supplement? So in regards to having something that's measurable, it might require having some additional steps before you get to that main resolution of, I want a new job for 2016. So for example, if you see a job description that you're really interested in and there is a requirement for um, a certain skill, whether it's computer skills or social media management, whatever it might be, if it's a skill that you don't have, start thinking about what is it that you need to do to get yourself on track and, and make sure that the resolution that you've developed for yourself is something that you can actually achieve in the time frame that you've given yourself. Okay, so define what that job is, find out what the uh, typical title might be. Look for examples of specific job postings that you might see online on job boards or, or elsewhere, and then identify the skills that are required to do that work. And, and think about the gaps that you might have that an employer might see and how you might address those gaps. Absolutely. Okay. So you need to be clear about what you want. What are some of the other steps that people need to take in, in setting these career resolutions? Absolutely. Be clear about what you want and these the steps that you may not have thought about beforehand that you'll need to get there. Um, and I think it's definitely helpful to build in smaller tasks along the way, things that you can use as milestones, reasons for celebration. You are your best judge as to what that means for, for you. Um, I mean, I can certainly give some examples, but it might be gaining entry into a specific area by volunteering and maybe developing a really great relationship with your, your volunteer manager, which perhaps then leads to an informational interview with someone else who can take you to the next step. So having a good idea of what success might look like and also knowing that it might not be the exact picture of, of what you might think and how to really determine that you are staying on track. So developing some little um, smaller tasks that kind of show you that that green light of, yes, I'm, I'm on the right path, I'm, I'm getting someplace, and um, are things that you can celebrate. Those little, the small victories that, that you can celebrate and, and feel good that you're you're getting to where you, you want to go. Yeah, so baby steps can pay off. And, in, and as you move forward, even though it might be in an incremental way, you'll, you'll see the progress. Reading your blog before the show, I, I know you've talked a lot about the importance and the value of having accountability partners. Tell us about the difference an accountability partner can make uh, in setting these kinds of resolutions or in job hunting in general. I know for myself personally, I love having someone who I can speak to about the things that I'm looking to do and someone who is giving me that metaphorical tap on the shoulder of, oh, hey, did you, how are things going with X, Y, Z? It is so, so helpful to have someone there in your corner who is able to just be a person who you can check in with and help you evaluate 
whether you're still on task. And of course, it doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily take a lot of time out from this other individual. It can be very quick emails. Let's say you as well are, are a writer. You can, um, and one of your goals is to develop a uh, personal slash professional portfolio that showcases the type of work that you do. Uh, you might, for example, share a link with your accountability partners. So it can be a very informal yet scheduled arrangement where maybe you check in once a week or once every other week, but that there is someone there who can attest to, yes, you said you were going to do X, Y, Z, and you did it. And I, I have definitely found that to, to be helpful in, in the past. And in fact, there are sites that exist. I don't know if you're familiar with stick.com. That's oh, stick with, that. with, yeah, sure. It's actually stick with two Ks. And it is a way for individuals to set a goal, um, set the time that they are expecting to complete that goal and they can set up a referee. So that would be in essence, your accountability partner. And if you like, you can also have uh, financial stakes in, in the game for when you accomplish your, your goal. And I believe it's set up so that you can have that money uh, go to a charity, the charity of, of your choice or um, you can also do the opposite. So if you miss your goal, you can have it sent to a charity that you really don't want to support. And therein lies an even deeper blow. <laughs> right. Well, that, that can be motivating. And Absolutely. I've yeah. And I've certainly had good experience with accountability partners. Um, I, there, I remember during one job search, there was a friend I would call. Uh, and this is a long time ago because we were still looking at newspaper classified ads. Mm -hmm. But uh, when the Sunday paper came out, we would call each other and say, okay, I saw this position, I saw that position, and I'm going to apply for this one or that one. And just that weekly call was very affirming, and it was nice to have that connection. Uh, and I, I'm sure you've had this experience too. I, I've had colleagues who've had good success with job support groups that uh, groups of people who meet together to just keep each other updated on their progress and but also to set goals and and exchange tips and, and other information definitely it's so helpful to have that I know there are some local job search support groups around here that um, have been really beneficial for the the members. And if there's not an in-person group in your area, there may be one online that you can join. That too can be effective. If it's a place where you can check in via email or in an online group, I definitely recommend that as well. Okay. Now let's talk about mistakes you see people make uh, that they should avoid when setting New Year's resolutions or for their careers. What What stands out for you, Victoria? I think the main things that stand out are, again, not really doing that legwork beforehand of really discovering whether it's something that you can achieve in the time frame that you've given yourself. In some cases, it might be that there are, again, additional steps that you need to take in order to, to get to where you, you want to see yourself next. And I think that that is definitely the, one of the bigger quote mistakes that that I see is not really factoring in some of the other things that might come into play as as you're doing the work. And I think the other mistake is um, 
while it's great to have a goal, definitely building in some leeway for yourself and not beating yourself up too hard if you don't, in fact, make it by your set time. Job search is only one part of of life. And in fact, it's all of the other aspects of, of living. So if you look at it in a holistic way, all the other things that affect life, your relationships, your health, etc., do have a place in what happens in your job searches as well. Sometimes the um, the drawback that a, a job seeker may have when they're they're trying to meet a resolution that they've set for themselves is forgetting those other aspects that come into play, and that sometimes you you may need to account for unexpected things that that come up in in life. And just because you haven't necessarily met your goal exactly doesn't mean that you haven't gone any distance whatsoever. So I think that seeing those those changes and improvements in your life, even if you haven't necessarily gone exactly where you expect it to be, is something that should should be considered too. In summary, be specific. Uh, break your, your task down into small, manageable pieces and be kind to yourself. Realize that you're not going to get it all done in one day or one month, uh, but you will make progress if, if you're focused over the course of a year. Definitely. Well, Victoria, what's coming up next for, for you and, and your organization, Idealist.org? Sure. Um, next month, we will be running an email-based course called Find Your Fit. So I definitely encourage anyone who might be interested in exploring their passions and figuring out where they want to go next professionally to sign up. It is a free course and we will be making the announcement on our our site, idealistcareers.org, and also, of course, on our, our email list, which you can subscribe to on idealistcareers.org. Thank you, Victoria. And it's been oh. a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much, Mac. It's been great talking with you. To learn more about Idealist, there are two great web pages you can explore. The first one is idealistcareers.org. That's all one word, idealistcareers.org. And when you go there, you'll find career resources and tools. Idealist has a wonderful job board with uh, actually thousands of listings, and you can find those at idealist.org. Victoria is on Twitter, and her Twitter handle is at Ask Victoria. We'll be sure to put all of these links in the show notes. Well, we're back in the MaxList studio. I'm sitting here with Ben and Cecilia. Uh, so what did you two think of the conversation with Victoria? What were some of the key takeaways for you? Well, the main takeaway I got, I really liked her point about breaking down your goal into steps so you can really determine if it's unrealistic or realistic for you to achieve that goal and then edit it from there. And I thought her point about accountability partners was so important. Um, Not only so that you've got someone uh, providing some oversight for you and making sure you're staying true to yourself and your goals, but also just so you're not doing this by yourself, right? Sometimes you need another person to share your frustrations or your triumphs with. And I think uh, having an accountability partner like that is a great idea. I agree. I One of the things that I think is surprising to many job seekers, particularly people who have been unemployed for a while, and I've certainly been there, I've gone through two long periods of unemployment, is 
in my case, I began to think I didn't have a lot to offer. We all have a lot to offer. We all have lots of experiences and skills. And, and helping somebody else by being that accountability partner is one of the most important things I think we can do. Okay, well, thank you all for joining us and holding us accountable to our weekly production schedule. We'll be back next Wednesday with more tools and tips you can use to find your dream job. In the meantime, please visit us at maxlist.org, and you can sign up for our free newsletter there. It's published every Tuesday with more than 100 new jobs every week. And if you like what you hear on the show, you can help us by leaving a review and a rating at iTunes. I've recently read that uh, more than... Uh, 80% of all podcast listeners find shows on iTunes. And by leaving a, a rating and review, you help us rise in the iTunes rankings and uh, get in front of more job seekers and help more people. So thanks for your help and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.